podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. such a thing as pity respect because i'm pretty sure that's what the playoff committee is throwing at the big 12 right now i am philip slavin and this is the 10 12 the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the big 12 conference today is wednesday and you know what that means it is big game preview time and as we've said a few times leading up to today that's obviously going to be oklahoma at baylor it is Let's be honest, it's the biggest game of the weekend. Game day is in Waco. The game is a sellout. I'm pretty sure that's going to be standing room only. Like just, and I, I mean crammed in there fans. It's going to be a big game. It's a huge game for Baylor, who's undefeated, looking to stay that way against a one-loss Oklahoma who has survived against Iowa State last week. Like I, This is a big game. I'm very excited for it. It should be a ton of fun, if only... If only it was a game between two top 10 teams, like it probably should be. But alas, the new playoff rankings not only don't have OU and Baylor as top 10 teams, they actually push them back each. Now, I know both had close wins last week. I understand. But OU at 10, Baylor at 13. Baylor's at 13. Baylor's at 13. I understand their non-conference schedule is garbage. But, I mean, they have wins over two top 25 teams. I know Alabama. I understand Alabama is probably better than Baylor. Like, I get it. But at some point, the resume has to matter. At some point, what you've done this year has to matter more than what you've done the past three. Hell, Minnesota at eight is insulting. Georgia at four? I thought we cared about bad losses, you know? Here's the problem with the playoff committee. And we've talked about this before. I get it. Like, they're going to dance around whatever they need to dance around to justify whatever they're doing. And this is all a big TV show. It's all to get you talking, which is good for the playoff. But man, can we at least try and not... It's not even about moving the goalpost every week. Every every team every week has a goalpost in a different position. Like, everyone's not even kicking a 30-yarder. Like, Georgia's loss to South Carolina is garbage. Alabama's loss is their best thing on their resume. 
You can say the same thing for Oregon. Utah, uh, maybe. Maybe the same problem. Minnesota at eight, stop it. OU, Penn State is above OU. Okay. Baylor's behind Auburn and Florida. Baylor is behind two two-loss teams. Well, that's BS. That's absolute BS. I mean, it's great that the Big 12 has five teams ranked. I don't know how Texas is 19. I'm sorry, Texas. Like, I'm glad you're ranked. You deserve to be ranked. And you should be ranked above Oklahoma and Kansas State, both of whom you beat. That's fine. And maybe I'm nitpicking because I think they should probably be down at, like, 21. Because I'm pretty sure Boise State would beat Texas in Austin. Sorry, Texas. They definitely would on a neutral field. It's nice to have five Big 12 teams ranked. There's a a legitimate chance that... All five remain ranked at the end of this upcoming weekend. Whoever wins between Baylor and OU isn't going to drop out. Texas playing Iowa State. Oklahoma State playing Kansas. Kansas State playing West Virginia. Like, you could have all five teams move up. Well, four move up, one move down. There's a very real shot of that. It'd be great. It would be wonderful. But this is... It's a little bit insulting. Like, the Big 12 is not out of the playoff yet. There's, Baylor is undefeated. If Baylor stays undefeated, Baylor goes undefeated and wins the Big 12 undefeated, they're in. You're not holding out an undefeated Power 5 champ. I don't care what your non-conference schedule is. I don't care. Because if Clemson gets in with their schedule undefeated, then Baylor gets in undefeated with their schedule. Okay, so if OU wins with one loss, we'll talk about it. It's going to be difficult, but it's not impossible. We've got a lot of football left to play. So let's get to our big game preview. Very excited to have Shehan Jayaraja. And Kamiar Meharabian back on the show talking Baylor and Oklahoma. It's a great interview. Really glad to have both of them on. Chris is here today to help ask some questions, quite a few. Before we get to that, a couple things. One, if you have not given our show a rating, please do so. Go into iTunes, give us five stars, leave a comment. We would love a review. Like, would absolutely love a review. We've got a few. It's been a while. If we get like one a month, I'd be super pumped by it. So, tell you what. I got a I got this guy named Chris I'm pretty good friends with. He runs the Land Grant Gauntlet. They've got some stuff in the store there. I'm pretty sure I can hook somebody up. So the first person that leaves us a new review, I will get some free stuff for. I'm going to get you something. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to tell Chris he has to. That's how this is going to work. So first new comment, figure out how to make that happen. Okay. We'll give you a shout out. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, the word podcast. There you will find a tweet pinned to the top of our Twitter account. In that tweet, you will find a link to sign up for ESPN+. Click it, get signed up, get all the great Big 12 Now action. It's basketball season, folks. You want to watch those games? I know you do. I do. You've got to be signed up, even for Kansas. Kansas games. Kansas games are on there. Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Just do it. Get signed up. Get all the Big 12 Now action you want right now. Of course, it's our game of the week. It's one of the biggest games of the weekend. So big game day is actually in Waco for this one. So of course, it's OU versus Baylor. Very excited to talk this game with two guests that I'm always happy to have on the show. Shehan Jayaraja of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, here to represent the Baylor Bears. Shayhan, welcome back to the 1012. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a little while. I know. Well, I mean, last time we had you here, we just talked about all Texas teams, but today we didn't do just just the Bears. Uh, I, I'll be curious to plug the article you put out today because that was, that was a really good read. I, I do want to say that. 
Hey, I appreciate that. It's, you know, it's funny. I actually wrote that one last week, but it just keeps, uh, it just keeps coming up over and over again. And Baylor keeps playing these, these uh, close games. Absolutely. Uh, also joining us to represent the OU Sooners, Crimson and Cream Machine, Kamiar Maharabian. Kamiar, welcome back, man. It's always good to be back. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. I'm, I'm pumped to have you both here. Now, funny story, you both <clears throat> have already previewed this game together. I didn't know that when I, when I booked you two as guests. Um, I'm not privy to everybody else's schedules, so I will do my best to not just repeat what you guys have done previously, and uh, good luck getting uh, different answers than before. Oh, I'm not concerned. I got plenty to say about everything. <laughs> yeah, we're good. <laughs> you know me. I'm a talker. <laughs> so I want to start with what I think is a question of matchups in this game. It's intriguing to me to what feels like the strengths of the two teams and the weaknesses of the two teams are kind of facing off. We have OU's offense, which we know is really good, versus the Baylor defense, which has continued to be very successful, versus a OU defense, which started strong this season and has dipped these past few games, and a Baylor offense, which really seems to have struggled the past couple weeks against West Virginia and TCU. So what I want to know, and Kemi, I'm going to let you start first, which of these two matchups do you think is going to have the biggest impact on this game Saturday? I think the biggest matchup is going to have to be um, more specifically Oklahoma's defensive line against Baylor's front five. Uh, Baylor's, you know, they're second to last in the big 12 in the amount of sacks they've given up per game. I mean, West Virginia got to them about, got to Brewer about eight, nine times And the Sooners. Um, you know, if there's any strength, a defense it's the defensive line with Ronnie Perkins, Neville Gallimore, Rush End, you know, Laron Stokes, and other guys that they can plug in there with the Jalen Redmond. And so if they're able to get home, if they're able to get consistent pressure on Brewer, because you're not going to get pressure really on Kansas State because they're going to run right at you and take that away from you. Iowa State, um, they got some pressure, but clearly not enough. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think the biggest, the biggest matchup here is what is going on in the trenches on both sides of the ball because – as you know, Shehan will tell you, you know, Baylor's offensive line, it's kind of been a, you know, mismatch, mix, mix, mix and match kind of situation here. And honestly, OU's offensive line has been the same way. Um, they haven't really had a consistent starting offensive line, and they just had a right tackle go down against uh, like, against Iowa State. So I think the biggest matchup here is OU's uh, front four, front five against the Baylor's front five. Shehan, kind of the same question. Uh, what do you think is the matchup that's going to be most impactful in this game on Saturday? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's whether Baylor's offense can kind of get things going. And the past couple of weeks, Charlie Brewer hasn't looked like the Charlie Brewer that we saw earlier in the year, um, especially this last game against TCU. It looked like he had some trouble getting the ball down the field. It looked like his arm strength wasn't totally there. And, and look, there's could be a lot of reasons for that. It could just be he woke up early and, and it's tough to get in rhythm. It could be, you know, TCU was obviously good at getting to him. It could be a nagging injury. You know, we just don't know. Um, but the deal is, you know, I think that, Baylor has good players to match up with what Oklahoma does on offense. They've got a couple defensive backs that they can throw at CD Lynn. They've got guys that I think can match up with a couple of those receivers one-on-one and it kind of put more of their effort in stopping the Oklahoma run game. But even when you say that, like Oklahoma is going to score 25, 30 points. You're not going to hold them probably under 30 points. So this Baylor offense has to at least produce something. And uh, this playmakers on the outside that, Enzel Mims, Tyquan Thornton, I think they undoubtedly can get free against these Oklahoma defensive backs. The only question is really going to be whether Charlie Brewer has enough time 
uh, and if the running game has enough time to kind of get free. And and sort of that same deal, you know, I think that, uh, you know, like Camiar was talking about, if they can get protection and if Charlie Brewer can make plays happen down the field, Baylor can put a point against this Oklahoma defense, I think. I think it's a good matchup for them. But, uh, but I think that if Baylor can't put up even, you know, 25 points on this Oklahoma defense, then I don't even think it matters what they do on the other side of the ball. Yeah, Shahan, I think you're absolutely right. We saw a couple of misfires by Brewer last week against TCU, and TCU took advantage. And, um, you know, you can't you can't do that against Oklahoma. But what's weird about this matchup is, as big as it is, kind of both teams enter it not looking as good as they have earlier in the season, right? So Oklahoma, they lose to Kansas State, they, they have the bye week, and then they come and, and they don't look super sharp last week. And then on Baylor's side, the close game against West Virginia, the close game against TCU, they're still managing to pull out wins. But which team should we be more concerned about moving forward? Well, here's the deal when it comes to Baylor. is I think that Baylor can do a lot of the things defensively that Iowa State did last week, and I think they can do it even better than how Iowa State does it. Um, you know, and, and I think that when you look at both these teams, a lot of the issues that they're having are sort of ingrained because I think that offensive line is something that even when you get to game 12, 13 of the year, like these are still going to be issues. These are still going to be, you know, Baylor's offensive line isn't as deep. Um, you know, they'll get left tackle Connor Galvin back. They've gotten Xavier Newman back who is planning to redshirt and is one of their best guards. Uh, but, you know, I think that that's going to be an issue all year long. So if I'm looking so the team that I feel like their issues are kind of being exposed a little bit more, I probably am a little bit more concerned about Oklahoma's defensive issues along with Jalen Hurts' kind of inaccuracy issues. Because I think now you go up against a team like Baylor, and look, if you're not going to be able to get stops against Baylor, if you're not going to be able to dominate that battle up front, which is what I think Oklahoma needs to do on defense to be able to win this game, um, you know, I think that those are things that seem to be, I don't want to say crumbling away, but versus how they looked earlier in the year. I think that Oklahoma's issues are becoming a little bit more systemic right now than maybe Baylor's issues. Uh, I mean, how would you, how would you answer that? How in Norman kind of what's the feeling with the Sooners last two performances? I mean, in Norman, the last two performances, of course, you look at the performance that they had in Manhattan and then that's just a, it's a blast. It's blasphemy. You know, <laughs> it's just like, they ran this title wave of wow, the defense is truly improved, and they're they just got nine sacks on Texas and yada yada. And then all of a sudden they come out and they get punched in the mouth versus Kansas State, and they look shell shocked in the third quarter. And then you know they find themselves in a touchdown game against the Wildcats, but it was too little, too late. And um, so of course you know the feeling in Norman about the defense coming out of Kansas State was like yikes, we get a you know people always talk about Oklahoma battling in the Red River shootout and that being a physical game and the, the game really depends on who's being most physical. And so the Oklahomans were hanging their hats on, wow, we might really be the most physical team in the Big 12 this year. And then they come and get punched in the mouth versus Kansas State and clearly get pushed around and bullied really for the entire game against Kansas State. They couldn't even get off the field. And um, so that was a problem. And then, of course, they had a week off and then they had the bye week and they had Iowa State. And you're thinking, okay, you know, let's see how this goes. And honestly – if you just looked at the first half and didn't pay attention for the rest of the game, you probably would have thought Oklahoma handled business. It was 35 to 14. And then, you know, out of half Iowa State, they get a, a drive to make it 35-21. And then Kennedy Brooks rips off like a 40-yard run to make it 42-21. You're like, okay, 
this game is probably done. Um, that, that's and that's what a lot of the fans thought too. Uh, they they started leaving the stadium like mass exodus, and of course that fourth quarter changed the perception of everything going on in that game. A costly turnover by CD Lamb and inside his own thirty, another three and out uh, after a offensive line gets shuffled around or the inability to run the ball. And it's not like sometimes people want to say. Um, it was an inability to run the ball, but also sometimes it's just like Jalen Hurts keeps the ball way too much on read options. The man like 19 carries. Um, that's not really what you need at that point, especially if Iowa State's keying in on the offense. And then, of course, in crunch time, once again, it seemed like the pressure got to the team, and they just like Kansas State, they looked kind of shell shocked and they folded. Um, where Jalen Hurts just threw a very bad errant pass. And Jalen's decision-making over the past few games, really, um, it's gotten progressively worse. He's not he's not trusting the throws that are there. He's making pre-snap decisions where he's going to go with the ball, of course. Usually it's going to be to C.D. Lamb, throwing in a double, triple coverage. And he should have gotten picked twice in the first half for his Iowa State. And then, of course, he just throws in the coverage. And I had no idea where he was going the, with the ball to where – it could have been the death knell for these the Sooners in that game, and uh, they get lucky. Iowa State went for two, and they didn't call pass interference or Prano Motley, or else you know we would be looking at a Sooners loss. Uh, another one in Norman uh, with Lincoln Riley there, and Matt Campbell making a second victory in Norman two times in a row. So the feeling coming out is how one quarter definitely changes changes the perception, but that's not to say that the Sooners were garbage on Saturday tackling which they've been a pretty solid tackling team most of the year and they're just literally they they were literally falling down in the back end and slipping and falling all over each other and it was it was a far cry from what we saw uh texas and prior to and prior to the texas game and even the texas tech game so pretty pretty odd um and we're trying to figure out is this an anomaly or is this kansas state has figured out how to push around oklahoma and it's a maneuver the offense away from Kenneth Murray and Neville Gallimore and basically make other guys like Nick Benito, Ronnie Perkins, uh, Brendan Riley Hiles, Buki, make them make the plays instead of their big dogs. Uh, I know Philip has a question, but while we're on this, I want to, I kind of want to ask you, brought up a great point about Jalen Hurts and his decision-making. And we've become so used to Oklahoma probably having the best quarterback on the field that I don't know if that was true last week with Brock Purdy. I thought Brock Purdy outplayed Hurts, and this week going up against another great quarterback, is there concern there at all? Like, is it just that we've become so used to it, we we've started to take it for granted when it comes to Oklahoma? Jalen Hurts is a good college quarterback, but I mean, Oklahoma fans have been spoiled with four or five years of Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield and uh, Kyla Murray, of course, and. To some extent, you know, hot take alert. Some people might suggest, myself included, that if Lincoln Riley had a couple, two, three years with Trevor Knight, he would have been a better, for, better, formidable quarterback to run that system than Jalen Hurts is. Jalen's been in that pro style, you know, hand the ball off to to a running back at Alabama, and he just doesn't have the arm talent. And really, he he's been in that system for too long at Alabama to take off with a Lincoln Riley system. So he has a cap on what he's able to do. I think Jalen Hurts is incredibly talented, but his reads are usually half a second off. Um, and he is very instinctual when, and to the fact that I mean that he makes his first read, which is CD lamb. And if CD's not open and if the other guy's not wide open, really, 
he's not going to take a chance and throw it over the middle. He hardly ever throws it over the middle. It's either C.D. Lamb or an out or a dump uh, or a hot, and then he, he just takes off. And I think teams like Kansas State, Iowa State, who's very disciplined, Baylor is very well disciplined. TCU is very well disciplined. They're keying in on that and learning about Jalen Hurts, and the the scouting report is out on him. So, I don't think Oklahoma fans are taking it for granted. They understand that, you know, or maybe some don't. They they that Jalen Hurts is clearly not the quarterback that a Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray was. And um, I think that Brock Purdy yeah, is a great quarterback. And uh, you know, going to Waco and Brewer is a great quarterback. And uh, it's just conflicting styles. Typically, you don't have a guy that can probably run a wildcat um running lincoln riley's offense so we are talking about quarterbacks and 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 shehan you you talked about brewer a little bit a few minutes ago but i want to go back to him for a minute just because like uh chris and i have been all in and all aboard the charlie brewer train like we are we bought first cabin seats (laughs) we're in the luxury box we're we're all in on it but he hasn't played as well these last few weeks. I understand that against West Virginia, the, the the numbers were there, but the points weren't. But he hasn't been what he has looked like uh, earlier in this season. Is What is going on with Charlie Brewer? Is this just a dip? I mean, it happens with players, or is there actual concern with him moving forward? Yeah, I, I'd say that there's definitely a little bit more concern from last week than there was week before. But the thing that you say about it, too, is that at the end of the day, I mean, Charlie Brewer – still was the reason that Baylor won that football game against TCU. He's a guy who has showed up in the biggest uh, moments. He's the guy who has made the biggest plays on the field. And like you mentioned, the numbers weren't there last week, but like, you know, 195 yards, 66% completion, two touchdowns and interception. Like that's a bad game for Charlie Brewer. And um, I'm curious to see what he looks like coming out against Oklahoma this week, because I'll tell you what, I mean, he threw a lot of check down routes against TCU and I don't exactly know why that is I mean I've gone back and tried to watch a little bit but you know some of it is obviously what the defense is giving him but on some of these third downs you're wondering why isn't he airing the ball out why isn't he trying to find Denzel Mims um, you know why isn't he trying to find Tyquan Thornton down the field so uh, I imagine that having this TCU game is going to be a good thing for the coaching staff to be able to go and show him hey you know you can't make throws like this you can't make reads like this you have to be able to put more air under it on some of those deep throws um you know but but the reality is too like I'm nitpicking here because he still has been tremendous this season you know I mean against Oklahoma State he was dominant 312 yards and a touchdown 13 for 17 you know I mean he has been the reason that they've won so many of these close games like actually you look at uh you know Baylor's close games he's played four or five close games in the Big 12 and every single one they've won because Charlie Brewer's gone out there and won that close game over the other team so Yes, I think that the last two weeks are a little concerning. And part of it is offensive line. This last game against TCU is the one where I kind of say, that was a little bit of a weird performance by him. It's not what you expect him. But look, I think that, um, you know, against the two really good teams that they played this year, Oklahoma State and Kansas State, he was dominant. And he was the reason that they were able to pull away. So is it just that he doesn't get up for some of these lesser games? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, but uh, until Baylor loses a game because of Charlie Brewer, which they almost did on Saturday, obviously, but until they truly go out and lose a game because of Charlie Brewer, I'm not ever going to be too worried because you still look at his numbers. They're still outstanding. And, uh, and again, when it comes down to the end of games, he's been the guy who's carried them across the finish line. Yeah. I don't know that there's another quarterback in the big 12 this year that ball in hand 
game-winning drive is needed, I would trust more than, than Charlie Brewer, the way he's performed so far this season. Uh, Cam, I know we got to get you out of here pretty quick. I, I do want to ask you one last question. Obviously, running back Trey Sermon is out for the rest of the season. How big is that for this OU offense, and, and what kind of impact do you think it'll have on this game Saturday? You know, it's it's weird to say, and it's weird to talk about it like this because going into the season, a lot of us surmised that Trey Sermon would have a decent-sized year and that he would end up going pro early. And honestly, that really hasn't been the case at all. And it's it's getting to the point where people are are guessing, and you know, there's whatever wherever there's a lot of smoke, sometimes there's fire is that Sermon might have been in the doghouse for a long time. I mean, I mean, the man, like, hardly got any carries. I don't think he got any carries against Texas. And um, he and Kennedy Brooks got a total of six carries combined against Kansas State. Um, he had literally one carry against Iowa State. And, of course, that was the carry that he had uh, the season-ending knee injury. And he just really hasn't had the season. And part of that is Jalen Hurts is the one – running and tucking the ball and going and going for that. So um, quite honestly, I mean, I know it's weird to say, but I, I don't think it's that big of a blow to Oklahoma because quite frankly, Trey Sermon hasn't been too involved in the offense. You've seen a lot of Kennedy Brooks. You've seen a lot of uh, Ramondre Stevenson and you've seen very little of Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon, I mean, he's been used in you know, zone reads and read option and he's been blocking, but he hasn't been catching the ball out of the backfield. He hasn't been running the ball. It's really weird because going back to Baker Mayfield during his freshman season, Trey Sermon was the closer back and he was the guy that got the ball very often to rough up the opponents in the third and fourth quarters. And you just didn't see that this year. So, I mean, losing, I mean, and the Sooners lost more than Trey Sermon. They lost Kenneth Mann, who was a defensive captain for last year. He was a defensive end that um, he, they lost him for the year as well. And he, he came back as a rotational piece because he's just on every down kind of, kind of guy. But the most pressing is, um, the injury to Adrian Ely, their, their right tackle. Um, I would say that's more of a big deal than a Trey Sermon right now because, of course, Oklahoma's offensive line, they've kind of been in flux. They, have, they know who their starters are. They know which guys they want where. It's just they've only been on the field together like three or four times together this year. Um, and it was surprising to me that Adrian Ely, he went down undisclosed. It's definitely, it doesn't seem like a season ending, but – you know, he'll get further evaluation. He's probably wearing a boot right now, to be quite honest. Um, he's probably wearing an ice wrap, too, around his knee. And instead of moving R.J. Proctor, who's a grad transfer from Virginia, to right tackle, which seemingly is what fit, they took their left tackle, Eric Swenson, and moved him to right and then put R.J. Proctor, that grad transfer, at left tackle, which I thought was pretty odd. And also, that's where you saw Oklahoma's run game and pass pro really kind of be a little weird in the fourth quarter against Iowa State. And so that's another reason why Oklahoma's offense was kind of like yuck uh, against Iowa State. So I think I think that the biggest thing that will affect Oklahoma against Baylor if re- regarding injuries is that, that offensive line. If Ailey can't suit up, and again, they have to move Swenson to right tackle and Proctor to left tackle, I think it could be interesting, uh, especially because that Baylor defense – they are disciplined and they have several athletes from, you know, the Dallas Fort Worth area and as well as they have from the Houston area. So they have a lot of athletes to make them, them pay in comparison to what, you know, the, what Matt Campbell's throwing out there with a bunch of Iowa kids and Wisconsin kids, Ohio kids, you know, they're not recruiting Dallas DFW as heavily as Baylor and TCU are. And they have the athletes to make Oklahoma, make Oklahoma pay. So that's what I would say going into the Saturday's matchup. 
It's interesting because I switched over to kind of look at the stats to see what his production was so far. And you talk about Hertz, you know, not handing the ball off. And it's incredible because Hertz has twice as many carries as any of the backs. And Brooks only has nine more carries than Sermon does total. But when you're splitting carries against a quarterback that likes to tuck it, uh, that, that can be tough to have an impact then. Yeah, and it got to the point, like in, a, in the podcast that we recorded last night, um, it's we the topic came up was, is Jalen Hurts selfish or is he just not good at making reads? Because there were plenty of times during the Iowa State game and other games, even the Kansas State game, where he tries to tuck it and run it and he gets maybe yard to the field. And then in the defensive end is the defensive end is totally crashing down on the quarterback. And so it was like, is he selfish? Is he not good at reads? Uh, does he just not like handing the ball off? We don't know because there were several times that if you just given the ball to Kennedy Brooks, it'd have been another 20, 30 yards, even against Iowa state. So teams are keying in on Jalen hurts. They're not letting him run the ball because that's what makes him an effective quarterback. That's what makes him an effective player. And he just loves tucking that ball. I mean, at the end of the day, people will say, well, I mean, he got like three touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns as well. But you got to look at the context and how the game is being played and how he's getting those touchdowns and, you know, why the rushing, like the rushing yards, great. They're very balanced, but the rushing yards are coming from the quarterback, not necessarily the running backs. So that's a problem. All right. Well, let's do this real quick. Uh, Camier, uh prediction for Saturday. I've got the Baylor Bears winning at night in Waco, 37 to 31. Um, college football is a very show me now football game. It's a very, very show me now sport. And right now, I'm not impressed with Oklahoma's defense and their safeties falling all over themselves. And I'm not impressed with Jalen Hurts' decision making. Uh, he's put them in pretty bad spots the past couple games, to be frank. And um, the Baylor Bears defense is more than formidable. Uh, like I said, they're disciplined. Matt Rule's a great coach. As I talked to Shayhan last night, and they've got the they've got the athletes to make it happen. And if Oklahoma finds themselves turning the ball over again once or twice, they're going to be a world of hurt. And um, Oklahoma's gonna they can't move the ball rapidly upfield like they used to under Kyler and Baker, and they'd have to make their way down the field against a very good defense. And um, that could be a problem. I feel like uh, Denzel Mims is gonna get uh, is gonna get loose a, co- a couple times and could be uh, having some issues. Shayhan, what are you predicting on Saturday? Well, I mean, uh, Kevin makes some great points because I did pick uh, Oklahoma to win last night. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting game. The big question for me heading into this one is how comfortable Charlie Brewer is throwing the ball down the field. Because if he is healthy, if he looks better than he has, especially last week against TCU, and if he's able to find Tyquan Thornton, if he's able to find Denzel Mims. And also on top of that, if the staff is willing to roll him out, if they're willing to let him run some zone read some play action I think that does change the game and I do think I mean look Oklahoma's offense is really good but Baylor's defense is also formidable I mean it's going to be the best defense that Oklahoma has played this season and uh and I think that they're going to be able to have some success but I will say I mean just because of what I saw on Saturday with Charlie Brewer with his inability to throw, get the ball down the field consistently I think that's going to be an issue and I think that Oklahoma has the inside track to, to win this football game in a very tight, probably lower scoring ball game than many people think. But, but again, if Charlie Brewer comes out, looks motivated, looks healthy, uh, I think that that changes the game. And to me, if you see Charlie Brewer hit on a couple of big plays early in that game, I think that Theo has a great chance. Guys, I want to say thank you very much for listening again. This is Shehan Jayaraja, who covers uh, 
the state of Texas for Dave Campbell's Texas football. Go check him out on Twitter and check his work out there on that site. He's got a great story about Baylor in close games that he just posted. I have read it. It's wonderful. Also, make sure and check out Camiar's work for the Crimson and Cream Machine. They have a podcast that they have done together, as they have mentioned. You're going to want to go check that one out as well if you're a Baylor or OU fan. Boys, again, thank you very much for joining us. I'm very excited to watch this game on Saturday. I'm sure both of you are too. And I'm also pretty sure that if Baylor goes up double digits in the second half of this game, you won't see Baylor fans leaving the stadium early (laughs) on Saturday. (laughs) No, I don't think so. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) Hey, the other thing too is that uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but when Matt and this is both at Temple and Baylor, when they are tied or ahead entering the fourth quarter, I believe they're undefeated. So uh, they are a tremendous fourth quarter team. So keep an eye on that as well. (laughs) Guys, enjoy the game on Saturday, and thanks again. Thanks for having me. No problem. Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.